Viva la revolucion! Over the past few years, there's been a revolution in fantasy football, and wide receivers have become the new flex currency. The game once dominated by bell cow backs have been given the backseat in favor of Brown, Beckham, Bryant, and a host of others. Now, running backs are showing some life this year, but there's a good chance that the first few rounds and the rest of your fantasy draft will have a high focus on wide receivers this year. We're going to tell you who to take, who to reach for, who to ignore, and so much more. I'm a poet, and I don't even know it. Let's run up the score. You're listening to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Run Up the Score. My name is Donna Wagonblast, and I am here with my brother, Scott. Don A. And our good friend, Tom Hillier. Hey, everybody. And we are here to preview the wide receiver position for the 2017-2018 fantasy football season. We're so thrilled that you all could be here with us. Wide receiver is certainly... One of, if not the most important position, if you are going to win your fantasy football championship, you need to have at least two really solid week-in, week-out performers at the wide receiver position. So our goal today is we're going to help all of you figure out who you should have in your roster, in your starting lineup and on your roster uh, for this year. Guys, overall, what's your outlook on wide receivers for this season? How are you approaching the position this year? That's a good question. Uh, I usually try to go one and one. I don't. I don't make it happen if it doesn't fall to me naturally. I'd like to. By one and one, you mean one running back, one receiver. To start. Yeah, exactly. But uh, there's other times where I've approached the zero RB, which maybe we could talk about today, or uh, maybe more for the draft strategy episodes. But I kind of let the draft come to me, Scotty. What do you think? Well, <clears throat> well, um, you know. I've always been big on drafting receivers early. Um, I've always pretty much picked two in a row or picked, I would say, in my first five picks, it's very rare that I don't have three wide receivers. And I'm always looking to get one of those top-notch wide receivers, especially, as Don alluded to in the opening, you know, this game is changing and the NFL is changing, and with that changes the way that you view fantasy. And I think that there's just so many good receivers out there that you get two or three good ones. You are just set at, at, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two and flex for the whole year. And that's what I like to do. I like to try and lock down those three positions with three very good receivers. You know, it's a, it's a big position. It's an important position. I think the three of us have done a great job of stressing that importance. And another way that we're going to stress the importance to all of you listeners out there is we're going to preview more wide receivers than any other position. We gave you 20 quarterbacks. We gave you 35 running backs. We're going to give you 40 wide receivers that are on our radar. And we're also going to get to a couple others that a couple other guys that we're really feeling. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But in order to do 40 receivers, we don't want to bore you all to death with gushing over these guys who you know are going to be in the first round or second round. So what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of speed through the, the first 10 or so receivers. Um, I'm going to just tell you guys where we have them ranked. If you have something to say about them, speak up. If not, we'll just move right along. Does that sound good to you, Tom and Scott? Yeah, I think we chime in a little. Yeah, okay. So number one, it's our consensus number one, 
Antonio Brown. And to be honest, you know, you you opening with that, there's not much to say about this guy. He's been the number one receiver for the past, I think, three consecutive seasons. And I fully expect it again. And, and I expect with Le'Veon in for the full year, there's a little more attention on the run game. And this guy gets even more open. And he's played better in his career with, with Martavis Bryant in the lineup as well. Yeah, we actually spoilered this one on uh, quarterbacks, if you remember. Yeah, yeah, true. So, yeah. Uh, not that you didn't know it was coming, but you know, here it is. Yeah, Anthony we're not trying to be like one. the new guys yeah. on the block, or trying to be like, you know, the hot takeover lords, and not having Antonio Brown number one. Like that would just make us look dumb. You know, he's just he's just that good. He's the he best. Just, he really is. Uh, number two, we've got Julio Jones, my personal favorite. Great receiver. Just seems like an overall great guy. And he, he's very quiet though. Like he doesn't do a lot of post game stuff. He's got no endorsements. Yeah. He just, he just, he's one of those lunch pail guys. He goes about his business, and he's his business is being a monster. And he actually, I believe, booming. came out with a new. Uh, he branded himself with like this. It's called this like JJ Eleven, where he has like some T shirts and some hats. So he's like starting to brand himself. But I think he's doing it with his niche following that fell in love with him at Alabama, and then fell in love with his work ethic in Atlanta, and. This guy, I, in my opinion, is the cream of the crop of athletes in the NFL. I really think that he's maybe the best athlete in the NFL. And when you watch him play, you can just see it. Number three. Yeah, no argument. Keep going. Number three, Odell Beckham Jr. Beast. And it literally looked like at one point last season, the Giants' entire offensive strategy was throw slants to Odell Beckham and wait until he breaks one open for a 70-yard touchdown. And it's going to be even tougher. And it worked. It's going to be even tougher to cover all the the playmakers that the Giants have this year with Brandon Marshall getting added to the mix. You can't leave either one of them too much alone. No, you really can't. Yeah, I think he I think Brandon Marshall kind of takes more of that second level overlooking like a safety or something like that. You know, even if it takes a, a head turn for the safety, that's all Odell Beckham needs to get get the ball and get running down the sideline, and nobody is catching him. No, you talked about um, for the if you haven't listened to our running back episode, Scott talked about Ezekiel Elliott's breakaway speed, mm-hmm. where if he gets in front of the defense and they're chasing him, there's nobody catching him. You can say the same thing about Odell Beckham Jr. There are certain guys where if they're in front of Odell Beckham Jr. and there's like two or three yards of space, Odell is going to close that gap and just be gone. Yeah, he's got that spinner speed. I think it was the Cowboys touchdown he scored where there were like four guys. They made like a perfect diamond around them, and he just scored. He just outran all four of them and was gone. So he's a very exciting player to watch, and that makes having him on your fantasy roster that much more fun because – you're the beneficiary of those really long touchdowns, and that's something that I love. Yeah, he becomes a weak winner, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if, like me, you play in a bonus league where um, you get rewarded for a forty-yard touchdown. He had those, you know, in by spades. the handful. Of, yeah, exactly. Number four, a guy who was drafted the same year as Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't as productive in his first two years, but very quietly, Mike Evans, who is our number four receiver has started off his career with three 1,000-yard receiving seasons. He's gotten a little bit better every year. He had some drop issues, but his production improved from his rookie year and his sophomore year. And last year, his third year, it looked like he really figured out what his role is on a professional football team, and that is the guy. He was the guy for the Bucs. One of the things that I remember so vividly that really turned the corner 
for my view of Mike Evans. I believe it was a Thursday night when they were playing, and he they were on like the five yard line, and he literally just ran into the end zone, turned around, and they threw a jump ball, and he jumped straight up, caught it, and literally just held it in one hand as the other guy was like jumping and like swatting at him, and there was nothing he can do, no. and that's that to me showed like how good Mike Evans is. They played yep. that uh, that clip on the NFL 100 when they were just doing that, right? It was- Dominant. It, yeah, you, you just watch it, you're that. like, oh my god, this yeah. guy's a beast. And the other thing, too, with Mike Evans is he's another guy who his offseason moves, much like Beckham, are going to clear up some room for him. They got oh, Deshaun yeah. Jackson, who's immediately going to require safety attention. They've got Bray and now O.J. Howard as their tight ends. So I think they're going to use O.J. Howard or Cameron Bray in the slot and line the other one up on the line. So there's going to be a lot of room in the middle of the field or on the side of the field where Deshaun Jackson isn't for Mike Evans to operate. So I am a big, big believer in Mike Evans maintaining his pace from last season. At number five, we've got a guy who everybody was hoping for a complete recovery from uh, from his ACL injury. At number five, we've got Jordy Nelson. And it took a little bit, but when Jordy Nelson was back and you could tell that he was healthy, that Green Bay offense just looked like it was on another level. And I think he's ready to come back and do the exact same thing this year. Yeah, he's a clear-cut number one guy. Devonta Adams finished really close to him, but that shouldn't be threatening to any potential Jordy owners. He is the big show in town. You know, that's Aaron Rodgers' number one target in the red zone. It's Aaron Rodgers' number one deep ball target. It's the yeah. One, I think like, last year was really the year that consummated Jordy as that number one for me because the year before, if you guys remember, Randall Cobb had a lot of touchdowns and it was kind of this, you know, who knows going in this year, but Jordy comes back and he's a, he's a great receiver and he's got the best quarterback. What more could you want? Not much. Uh, I would take the physical gifts of our number six receiver over pretty much anybody. We're talking about AJ green. He's coming off of an injury. I believe it was a thigh or it was some sort of muscle issue, but He's back. He should be ready to go. Another guy in our top 10 who got a lot of help in the offseason. The Bengals added John Ross. They'll get a fully healthy offseason from Tyler Eifert. They've still got LaFell. They've they've still got Boyd. They added Joe Mixon. So we talked about it when we previewed Andy Dalton. You guys should definitely check out our quarterback rankings if you haven't yet. This is the year for this Bengals offense. If they're going to make a big move, a big play in the NFL, this is the year. And I think that all is going to revolve around A.J. Green because he just has proven he can do it in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, he's a supreme athlete. I mean, he can go up and get the ball. And like I was saying, uh, I think I said it in another episode when we were talking about Andy Dalton, but he beats up on the Browns. Oh, yeah. Like A.J. Green and Andy Dalton as a tandem versus a bad team is just exploitation at its finest. FanDuel, yeah. anything like that, you could match those two guys up, and it's a, it's a tutty buddy situation. Oh yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people kind of have, uh, A. B. Julio and Odell as kind of like their tier one ish. Maybe maybe they have these other guys that we're talking about. But it's interesting that as we move down the ranks, that how much we like for a receiver, what else is in the offense? Because when that number one option gets a little bit more attention off of him, he becomes that much better. For sure. Um, another number, clear-cut number one option uh, is our number seven pick, Des Bryant. He It took him a while to kind of get used to 
not having Tony Romo throwing him the ball. It took him a little while to build a rapport with uh, with Dak Prescott, and you know they obviously they they're going to lean heavily on Ezekiel Elliott. But when Dez and Dak got everything figured out, they feel, they formed a great bond, and Dez was right back to his monster status that he's always been at, basically since he walked onto the practice field for minicamp in his rookie year. He's a beast, and you know for me. There's, there's really not much to say. It's just, can he play 16 games? If he plays 16 games, he's going to do great. He's a lock at one if he plays 16 games. I completely agree. Um, I think it's cool how Dak kind of got his wits about him without him originally, even though you know maybe not the best strategy in the entire world. Dez was kind of unavailable also. It was like but, a certain – sorry to cut you off, but it was like a – certain scenario where it's actually better that he was out of the game. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so like he he learned how to play the game on a harder level and now he gets like this huge help. It's like when you warm up in baseball with the little tiny wiffle balls and then yeah. you go out there and hit a baseball. It's like <laughs> yeah. a lot easier. So he warmed up with Cole Beasley. Right. And now he gets to throw to Dez. Yeah. So I think this year and a whole camp together where they're actually getting reps together rather than and them anticipating Tony Romo be the guy i think the the ceiling is there is none yeah i think i think so too i think he's one of those guys that we can really see shoot up maybe even contend with julio and antonio brown for that top spot big time i was about to say that our number eight receiver ty hilton has a pretty big ceiling but he led the league in receiving yards last year so i don't even really know how much higher he needs to go I think with him, he just needs to score a few more touchdowns. And his tutty buddy, Andrew Luck, was out for a few weeks last year. And he, his performance wasn't what it needed to be. But um, but he still led the league in receiving yards. And now he's you know, he's hopefully going to have Luck back with full strength. I'm sure the Colts are monitoring that situation and making sure that, that Luck will be ready for the regular season. So I, see, I think we're all systems go for T.Y. Hilton. He's just super talented. I think so, too. The only drawback to a guy like him being this high, and we all actually had him ranked eight, is he just doesn't get those touchdowns. So we're relying on Andrew Luck and him to bring that production back and get the massive amount of yards that he did. But without that, he's kind of in an uphill battle. It gets a little scary for him if he's not racking up those yards. Luckily for him, you know, speed kills, and I think that he still does, but... You know, um, as we move forward in, in this show and shows later, we're actually big on a lot of the other complementary parts of the Colts passing game, which I think you're not going to see a, a touchdown increase from T.Y. Hilton. It's going to be similar to what he was last year, but I think his yardage is going to be similar to what it was last year, which is why I wasn't ready to shoot him down the ranks. He's still incredibly fast and has great hands and has a great quarterback. So I think where we have him is perfect. He's one of those weird guys that is a good PPR option and he's also a good standard option yeah. because like he can score on the long ball but he can also get peppered. Yeah. So it's not like he's pigeonholed into either one but is like he seems more successful than his counterparts in each somehow. And you know, obviously like I said when we started, um I like to have really top flight receivers. So for me, I'm okay with TY Hilton as my number one, my number one. But in the next round, there were round, some air quotes around the second right. number one. But in the next round, I'm gonna be looking at a receiver too. I want that one in one A. If I have T.Y. Hilton or maybe a couple of the guys as we get through the end of our 
WR1 in 12-team league ranks. Or just a guy that is more of a uh, ball hawk. Like, right. Not as a defensive ball hawk, but as a fantasy ball hawk in the end zone. Right. You know. Moving on now to number nine, we've got Doug Baldwin, who has quietly become a wide receiver one option in fantasy. He's an, a viable one at that. This he is Tom's and- guy. <laughs> yeah. Tom, take the floor. <laughs> Every year he moves up slowly but surely in every statistical piece that you'd like to see him do. He actually was the number 10 two years ago and was the number 7 this year. The only problem with him is that he's a little bit up and down, has a lot of big games, but he scores a lot of touchdowns. He actually threw one this year to Russell Wilson, so plus one to however many he had. But he's he's a great option with Russell Wilson, and he is... Oddly enough, the number one um, statted out wide receiver rating. So between Russell Wilson throwing the ball to him, he is the number one in the NFL. Right. Um, I think it's so funny that he wears number 89 too because I'm really starting to see a lot of Steve Smith Sr. in Doug Baldwin. He's just a he's tough as nails, but he's not just some tough guy. He's also got some freakish ability too. And for an undrafted guy, he's just he's a fun guy to root for. Of Not course. a lot of people like to uh, talk about route running as an important part of fantasy, but I feel like he's Doug Baldwin's always open, and it's because he runs really good routes and he has really good hands. And guess what? If you run really good routes and you have really good hands, you're going to catch a lot of passes. Yeah. And so we'll be counting on him for that this year. Moving on now to number 11, we've got a new name. Sorry, I'm, we're on number 10. Sorry. We're moving on to number 10. And we've got a new name. Uh... Those of you who played fantasy last year certainly know who he is. It's Michael Thomas from the Saints. He's coming into his sophomore year. Uh, They just traded Cooks. So it's basically just him and Drew out there. And that, as we know, can be a really scary proposition. Well, he's got some support, and Drew loves to spread the thing around. But there's no doubt that a number one generally rises to the top. And to me, there's no doubt that it's going to be Michael Thomas. I think he's just going to have the most target share. I think he has the ability to pull it off. And I think the team has the strategy and game plan that just revolves around throwing the ball. I don't know about you guys, but um, I see a lot of Marcus Colston in Michael Thomas. Big, lanky receiver, good hands. Um, you know, it's just something that, that when I see Michael Thomas, I, I think of – Colston almost immediately and obviously you remember how good that relationship was while they were together so I'm all in on Michael Thomas love Drew Brees love Michael Thomas up next at number 11 we've got Amari Cooper bit of a sophomore slump he had some dropsies a little bit but if if you remember uh our number four wide receiver Mike Evans kind of struggled with drops in his sophomore season so if we get anything from Amari Cooper like we got from Mike Evans last year, we're in for a big bounce back year. And I think that reflects our rankings because we've got him, like again, like I said, at number 11. I think we all believe that he's going to be better than he was last year. But like, let's not forget that he was still very good last year and obviously started in every league, across every league. Um, for some reason, I'm a Crabtree lover, but for some reason this year, I think Cooper, this is where he maybe starts to take over as the alpha male. And just because he has so much talent, I think this year is kind of the year where it shows through. The problem is for him is that he struggles in the red zone. 
and the Raiders went out and got Jared Cook, and he might help their red zone attack a little bit more. Marshawn is going to be very successful in the red zone. So he's going to have to make it happen from afar, I think, but he has the skill set and the tools to do that. Me, I still think I have Crabtree rated super close to him, actually right next to him. Um, even if that makes Crabtree a highly ranked player, it's deservedly so. And we'll get to him in a minute. And I believe um, last year's ranks, they may have actually finished right next to each other. Yeah, Michael Crabtree's still outperforming. Yeah. So now we're moving on to number 12, and we've got a guy who's had what feels like a million different quarterbacks since he came into the league and he's produced with them all. It's Demarius Thomas. Now, the Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon issue never really got resolved last year. I think Denver still doesn't know who their quarterback's going to be, but at least they know they can throw to big number 88, and he's going to make things happen for everybody. Yeah, they both played last year with him, and it really didn't affect his production whatsoever. It wasn't his best year. It wasn't a banner year. I believe he finished 18 in half-point PPR, and he's finished as high as literally one. With Peyton Manning. You know, one of the things that I remember we were watching the games last year, and it seemed like it was missing from the Broncos teams of old. Where was Demarius Thomas in the screen game last year? We say it all the time. All the time. He is such an effective wide receiver screen receiver that, you know, I I hope to see more of that. And if I see more of that, maybe he would be a little higher up in my rankings because, quite frankly, I really don't trust their quarterbacks to effectively get him the ball enough to be a WR1. I didn't have him ranked as a a 12-team WR1. I had him a little lower. But I just think that, you know, you need a good quarterback. And I'm not a believer in Simeon, and clearly the Broncos aren't in Lynch, or they probably would have named him the starter already. So... To me, he's got to get the ball more for me to, to say this is a WR1, and I, I just don't know if that's going to happen this year. For me, I have him at 11 um, just because I, I truly do believe in what he's capable of, but he feels like, to me, the, the most high-end wide receiver too. You know, if you can pull him off as the second receiver in your lineup, it's like, He's kind of the way that I feel about him is kind of how I feel about Todd Gurley coming into the season. Okay. Like, whichever position you want to bolster in, like, maybe the third or fourth round, you could maybe get him in the fourth, too. Yeah. And you can kind of have, like, two studs, then Todd Gurley and uh, Demarius Thomas supplementing those studs. And I just really think that, you know, that's a strong look coming into the season. Yeah. I I agree. I, I think that he has, don't get me wrong, I think he has all the skill in the world. I really do. And I really enjoy watching him play because when he catches the ball, he runs like a running back. Like He runs with power. And uh, I just hope that he gets more opportunity to show us that this year. So do I. Moving on now to number 13, we've got DeAndre Hopkins. Disappointing year, I think, overall for the, uh, for the Houston Texans offense. I don't think Brock Eisweiler really evolved their offense at the rate that they were hoping he's now not on the team they've got tom savage who i think they believe in uh but they've also got deshaun watson the rookie out of clemson breathing down his neck but i think whoever ends up playing quarterback it seems like it's going to be an upgrade from osweiler because it really didn't seem like uh hopkins and osweiler figured it out before the end of the year last year they never gelled and it's so crazy to me that they never did because Hopkins has done this. He's been effective with, you know, the most random quarterbacks of really any top flight receiver that we've seen in a while. He's done it with 
guys that you could pick the names out of a hat and throw them at quarterback, and he's been that successful. That's why I, I'm almost willing to wash last season as I'll blame, I'll put the whole blame on Brock Osweiler, and I'll draft Hopkins with confidence. And if he tanks again, I'll be really surprised. Yeah, for me, I have him ranked 26th, so I kind of yeah, I don't know where that compared came to from. you guys. Well, he finished 30 in half point PPR, and. You know, I think you're going to wind up seeing another quarterback controversy in uh, Houston. And what that's going to bring is just more kind of mayhem, less reps between the between the guys that need them. So for me, where he's going with guys like you in the fantasy atmosphere who want him at 9 and 10, he's, he's not going to be on any of my teams. Yeah. Yeah. Asking price will probably still be pretty high for him. A guy whose value seems to have free-fallen as our 14th-ranked receiver. His name is Allen Robinson from Jacksonville. I had big expectations for him. He did not pan out. Some of it was his fault. Definitely some sloppy route running. Definitely some drop passes. But a lot of it, too, was it just looked like the Jags didn't have an offensive direction whatsoever last year. Um, and I think he's, a, he's my biggest bounce-back candidate for wide receiver this year. I think that last year, towards the end, he kind of came on, and it was when they had new coaching and they started to kind of move him around the formation more and start to create mismatches for him, as opposed to just lining him up against the other team's best corner and expecting him to just beat him game in and game out, which is a tall task. These corners are, are good in the NFL, obviously. You need to move a guy around to put him in positions to succeed. I think they do that more this year, and I'm with you, Don. I think he has a nice bounce back. I think he's more likely to bounce back than DeAndre Hopkins. And I also have him buried in my rankings. They're right next to each other for me. I have him at 25. So for reference, he finished as the 26th best wide receiver in half-point PPR last year. For me, he just wasn't getting those deep targets like he used to two years ago. His average depth of target has totally come closer to the line of scrimmage than it has the goalpost you're aiming for. And he used to just be chunk yardage, chunk yardage, chunk yardage. And it's just not happening for him right now. So I, I do wish to see the comeback. But like you've brought up in the other episodes too, they're not so psyched on Blake Bortles down there. And he hasn't been playing uh, top flight football. So They literally don't want to throw. Yeah, for me, I'm a, I'm a little scared. And it's these guys feel very similar to me, Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins. I'll probably have neither. Um, I could get burnt for that. But I just think the guys that are going around them, I'd much prefer to have that consistency in early round picks where I know what I'm getting, where I can build the team from draft day. All righty. Well, moving on, another a guy who really bloomed last year was our number 15 wide receiver, Devontae Adams. So he basically overtook Randall Cobb as the Packers' number two receiver, uh, due in large part to some injury concerns and just, just the matter of he scored a ton of touchdowns, and he really caught – Aaron Rodgers' eye, especially towards the end of the season when the Packers were throwing a lot. But the if you look at the tape, I mean, the way he was playing last year, that's something that could easily be repeated this season. Yeah, he had a lot of success getting off the line quickly, and Aaron Rodgers just knowing what his strengths were, he was able to uh, complement those those strengths. The year before, when everyone was calling for him to do well and he kind of disappointed, they were trying to use him as Randall Cobb and not trying to use him as Devontae Adams. Right, yeah. I think 
I think you're spot on in that assessment. Whereas they wanted him to come in and, and be something that maybe he wasn't at that point in his career, but bringing Jordy back made him what he needs to be for that offense. Absolutely. All right, moving on. Another big piece that moved in the offseason. We've got number 16, Brandon Cooks, who is now a member of the New England Patriots. You know, I think I personally might have had him rated higher if he stayed on the Saints. Um, obviously, I love the move, and he goes to New England and gets to play with Tom Brady, but, you know, the, they have so many weapons in New England. And, you know, I'm an Edelman lover, obviously. He just got the new deal. Gronk as well. So I think there's going to be games. I think Brandon Cooks' season is going to be very similar to what he did in New Orleans, where he had games where you're like, wow, this guy is one of the best receivers in the league. And he had other games where he caught two passes. Yeah, I actually went on YouTube and watched some tape of him in college. Uh, he played at Oregon State. And it was funny. I went to Arizona State, and he was just murdering Arizona State <laughs> in the highlights. But he wasn't just the down the field guy, you know. So I'm, I'm, I was trying to be a little Bill Belichick of my own and see what they were looking at, you know, see how why they wanted him so badly because a deep ball guy, I think Bill Belichick can probably name five for cheaper mm-hmm. than him off the top of his head. So I think whatever role he comes up with. It won't just be the deep ball guy, but I'm not sure what it is. I mean, he, he's still a very talented receiver, but I, I have Edelman ranked directly in front of him. And just so you know, not knowing a Patriot player role does not spell good for fantasy. <laughs> Fair enough. Number 17, a guy who definitely carved out a bigger role than we expected last year with his team. We've got Michael Crabtree from the Raiders, who, as Tom mentioned, ended up outscoring Amari Cooper, which not a lot of people were expecting. Crabtree was a guy who was going in the ninth round last year. And the year before that, he was going. He was basically free. And he was one of those guys that you pick up on, at the end of the draft just based on his name. He had some success. And then if something happened week one or two, you drop him and try to get the new hot thing. Turned out that was a huge mistake too. Um, he outperformed Amari Cooper that year. He outperformed Amari Cooper last year. And with the red zone woes that Amari Cooper has, I just think – Michael Crabtree is not that sorry receiver that Richard Sherman once thought he was. Yeah, you know, and a lot of that has to do with uh, Derek Carr obviously being his quarterback. I think Crabtree has, like, this kind of sense for the moment. And, like, anytime you watch Oakland's games, like, when they need it, that's when they go to Crabtree. He had the two-point conversion against the Saints the first game of the year. He also had, I think, at least one or two game-winning touchdowns on, like, game-ending drives where he was making big catches to set up field goals. He's a baller. I've had Crabtree, I I believe, the last two years in in our league that we have together. Um, One of the things that's so interesting when I watch him play is he is so good along the back line of the end zone. He owns the the very back line, and Carr is very good at delivering it there. He always looks for him there. And, you know, when you have him... And they get in the red zone. It's just, it's just something I always, you know, when they, when NFL red zone was on and they go to Oakland, I'm watching Crabtree and I'm watching him peel across the back line of the end zone and snag those touchdowns. And he had plenty of them last year, and I really don't expect much of a decline. Neither do I. I mean, there's just no indication that he's slowing down. He fits right in with the identity of that offense. He's the perfect piece for them. He's a great red zone target. He's a guy you can depend on, and I don't see any reason why he, they can't feed. Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree in that Raiders offense. And he just goes later than he should in drafts. So even Always. where I have him ranked is high considering 
my peers where um, he is in drafts is low and where we're saying he should go as a consensus it's still like it's still a bargain if that made any sense he's the kind of guy that like when we go into the uh, draft strategy um, portion of our analysis He's the kind of guy that, like, if we're doing a mock mock together, we're gonna wind all up three with of us are going to wind up with him. We're going to get him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All righty. So, moving on now to number 18, we've got Keenan Allen, who is now on the Los Angeles Chargers. I didn't say San Diego like I did when we previewed Melvin Gordon in the running backs episode. Getting You've better and better. You've been better at it than I would be. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, unfortunately, it's a second year in a row where we're saying we hope Keenan Allen can recover and get back and be healthy because when he is... He is an absolute monster, and Rivers loves him. But again, there's only so much you can say before you can say you just hope he stays healthy because that's been the story of his career so far. So much has changed since the last time he played. You know, the the team makeup is different. The team city is even different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just I talk about this a lot. I've already said reps like in a few of these episodes. He's not getting those reps. He's missed out on like so many seasons of reps. And I just think, you know, they're not – Philip Rivers is not thinking in terms of fantasy football, you know. He's trying to win a football He's game. He's trying to win a football game every single time. And the guys that are out there with him, Tyrell Williams, whoever, he's peppering those guys if he needs to. If Keenan Allen can't stay on the field, Rivers isn't throwing him any pity passes. He's not saying welcome back. He's just going to get out, get out there and play. Right. And to that effect, though, um, obviously Keenan Allen, when he came back in the early portions of the years that he came back, he got fed. So – that kind of shows like how open he's been able to get and how if Rivers really isn't just locking on to one receiver, it maybe shows the real skill of Keenan Allen. And, you know, you know, my notes say, can you please stay alive and catch the hundred balls that Phils wants you to? Because yeah. I really think that if he makes it through a full 16 game season, there's a really, really good chance he could catch a hundred passes. And this is a guy that if you believe in, you know, he's kind of due for a healthy year. This is a guy you should target because he's going to go low just like just like Crabtree. All right, so Keenan Allen has played 16 games, or his last 16 games, let's say. And he's had 116 catches for 1,217 yards and eight touchdowns. So if you put that as a season, he's a one. Yeah. So And you're probably going to be able to draft him as a wide receiver three. Maybe we'll see because he's a hype guy. You know, he gets hurt and he last year we were joking around and we were talking about pre-draft stuff. He was rising. Yeah, he was going higher than he was the year before. Yeah, and we were all hoping because you know, and he was performing at that. He had eight catches for ninety-six yards before he got hurt in week one last year. And didn't he get hurt in the first half or early in the third quarter? Third quarter, I think. Yeah, yeah, nuts. he, He was doing all right. Yeah, I think that I think that he's very good, and you know. Really, it's one of those guys. Like for his sake, I want to see. I, I want to see him play a full year, just like any other fantasy owner who might have him. But at the same token, this kid's got to be dying to make it through a season. Yeah. Moving on now to number nineteen, we've got Golden Tate from the Lions. He's had a good rapport with Stafford, but it never seems like it's at the beginning of the year. It always seems like he has to say something about how he doesn't get enough targets, and then he gets enough targets. And the Lions play well, and he does well, and they win games. So if we can just get a full 16 games where the Lions are like, yeah, we got to keep Golden Tate involved, I feel like we'd have a monster on our hands. There's guys in the NFL who are just like gamers, and I think that Golden Tate's one of them. 
And, you know, that shows with every chance he gets, he typically does well. So for me, he's just like a, he's just such a classic WR2 in fantasy that you can just, when you draft him, you put him in your lineup and you play him every week because he's going to get the volume, especially in half point and full point PPR. Yeah, I think the the fluke of it all was the beginning of last year where he was borderline droppable. He really was droppable. He was not involved at all. And that then was the Marvin did, Jones experiment, though. And then if you did drop him, you regretted it heavily because he came on so strong. And even when he played with Megatron, he could he could be a one when Megatron was out. When Megatron was hurt or Megatron would come on the field and be a decoy, Golden Tate would put up 20 fantasy points. So I think he's always been a good option for pretty much his entire career. Even when he was on the Seahawks, he was fringe relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, he was great at Notre Dame, and he has one of the shortest set of hands in the NFL, most of them say. So all those things put together, I mean, he's a vet now. He's yeah. not new. Yeah. How many years does he have to do it, you know? I, exactly. How many more years will number 20 be doing it? Number 20, we've got Larry Fitzgerald. And, <laughs> I mean, we, we've gotten an, a Hall of Fame career from Larry Fitzgerald already. But can't we just – can't he just play forever? I wish. Yeah, I think so. so much <laughs> to ask that Larry Fitzgerald just literally never retires. Long and careers. And it's just amazing forever. Long drives, long dogs. <laughs> He's the best. I mean, what I don't I, I don't even really know what to say about it anymore. Like, we know Arians loves him. We know they're going to scheme him ways to get the ball. We know he's got Carson Palmer's eye. I mean, I, I love the guy. I just think I he somehow I never end up with him, but I really hope I do. Yeah, it's totally it's totally worth mentioning that he led the league in receptions as well last season. Last season. So, granted, I think it was by one Right. But, I mean, he's the old man on campus. You know, he's teaching the young guys how to do it. Right. He is the number one in Arizona. And every year, somehow, some way, the fantasy community tries to convince you that he's not. And someone else is coming in and this, that, and the other thing. I've actually lost a bet on it. I am now, and of recent times at least, I'm in his corner until the end, which I hope it's not soon. Yeah, you know. He's a legend, and when you have such a legendary player on your team, they they almost like demand the ball. It's almost like magnetized to them. He he. It's kind of like Steve Smith. How like in the last few years, it felt like Steve Smith was just willing himself open. It kind of feels the same for me with Larry Fitzgerald, except he's much bigger. Obviously, more physically gifted, which is incredible. Right. So you combine that with that will and. His mental capability, he's, he's always adapting the way he runs routes. And, you know, uh, according to the people in on the Cardinals, you know, he runs like option routes for like most of it. And that's just basically what he reads. And Arians is going to put him in that position to get open, like like you said, Don. And, and piggybacking off what you said again, Carson Palmer knows when he throws the ball to Larry Fitzgerald, there's going to be one guy who comes down with it. And it's Larry Fitzgerald. So guess what, guys? Expect it again. He was a bigger red zone target in the beginning of last year than he wound up finishing as. If you if you got him in the beginning, you were like, whoa. Yeah, I he had a this. big game against the, the Patriots week yep. one. Yeah, and then he had another uh, – it was like a Thursday night football game. The first Thursday night football game or Monday night football, he kicked ass too. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know – You know, it's hard to say what role he has now in the red zone after that spiky season and the offense changing through David Johnson. But – you know he's a wily vet. You know that he's going to try to score and do everything he can for the team. Coming in at number 21 is a guy who has probably like one fiftieth 
of the experience Larry Fitzgerald has at playing wide receiver. Uh, Terrell Pryor, what a year he turned in last year. He's our number 21 wide receiver. Turned in an amazing year. It's still only his third year as a wide receiver, as his primary position. He does make a team change. He's with Washington now. So he's the ultimate, is the glass half empty or half full? Because on one side, you've got this freak athlete who's still just learning how to play a new position and is already performing that position at an elite level. But on the other hand, you've got a guy who switched teams and is new at his position. So I'm not sure where I land on prior. I want to believe in the upside because he was so fun to watch last year, but I'm just worried a little bit about what he's at. We're actually going to get from him on a new team. I believe it was Terrell prior. It's one of my, one of my favorite quotes I've heard in a while. Um, someone asked him how he's going to adapt to, you know, his new scenario. And he said something to the effect of I'm six foot five and I weigh 230 pounds. I think they're going to have to adjust to me. And to hear that confidence in a guy who's barely played wide receiver is something that I was like, wow, I think this guy's locked in and you know, he, he's going to a quarterback that throws for just as much yards as, the top elite quarterbacks, so why not Terrell Pryor? Yeah, so it might be a big help from Deshaun Jackson, but Kirk Cousins had the second highest um, deep ball completion percentage, and Terrell Pryor was in the top 10 of deep ball receptions. I like that. So he could kind of take over a piece of that role. I'm not saying he's going to Deshaun Jackson all over the place, but... It's a very different way that they both get there. I just see a huge range of possibilities for his season and some are really good i don't see as many bad but i'm nervous because i don't have any sort of consistency or anything to go on with him one of the things that like you know i always thought i didn't have him in any leagues last year i wasn't lucky enough to have him but you know i think i would have been nervous if i owned him starting him every week because he was on the browns and you just really don't know what could have happened but he proved himself every week and now he goes to a pass happy offense i think you're able to pick him without any any problem you know any concerns this year All right, well, moving on now to number 22, a guy who, at this point, if you don't have confidence in Jarvis Landry, you aren't watching the Dolphins because he they love giving the ball. They have him on punt returns. He averages like 100 catches a year, and it seems like he always gets there. He's not a big touchdown guy, and I think that's why he's lower on our rankings, but but man, he's just so consistent. He, to me, is the perfect wide receiver too for your fantasy football team he's not a really high upside guy he's not a really you know he's not a high volume touchdown guy but he will be there every single week to give you six catches for 60 plus yards i'm not dying to pick him in standard but um half ppr especially full ppr he's a guy that you have to have on your radar because you know, he gets that. He's always getting seven for like 80, which in a standard league, it's not maybe exactly what you want. You want a guy with more touchdown potential, like you said, but especially in half and full PPR, Jarvis Landry is a guy that I, I love to target. Yeah, I think he's a great two option and especially in PPR. But like I said, with the running backs, the emergence of JHI has kind of shifted their offense into, you know, it's going to revolve around him a little bit more. And the PPR kind of 
play in Jarvis Landry was starting to fade at the end of last season. If he has any say in the matter, it will come back. Mm -hmm. So I hope that, you know, he's enough of a leader in the team and they see what they can actually get out of him because it is a lot. Yeah. Um, And I just hope for his sake and if I draft him my sake that he goes back into that. I'd love to see them get get him in the open field just a little bit more. Yeah, he had that great breakaway touchdown versus, I believe, the Jets. Yeah, yeah. He he just has that – that breakaway type of speed, but you never really get to see it. One more thing about Jarvis Landry. If you're the type of person who believes in a guy playing for his new contract, Jarvis Landry's contract's up at the end of this year. Just set, I'm not. Sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. Just figured I'd throw it out there. Mm-hmm. Moving on, though, to number 23, we've got Julian Edelman, our second Patriots wide receiver. So steady. Yeah, you know... In our league together, I think I've had him every year for the past maybe you know however long he's really been in the league. I'd love picking him. He like same thing as as Landry though. He's a Very he's a half similar. he's a half PPR full PPR guy who's really not going to get you than more than five to seven touchdowns a year. And then I think that's why you know he's in our kind of starting our flex conversation. I also think it's worth mentioning that people are going to be a little scared of him because of the Brandon Cook situation, but they just paid him. He's Tom Brady's like boy, you know, he's not going anywhere. He's going to get peppered still. I think he's going to be a great pickup. And I think that he actually might start to slip in ADP or, you know, close to draft season. He may just slip in those drafts and you'd be wise to take advantage of that. If he does, he's the, he's the perfect guy and you might not be able to draft him in here, but if you can get Julian Edelman as your wide receiver three, you got to be feeling good about your wide receiver. Totally. For sure. Moving on now to number 24, I'm looking at our consensus rankings right now, and I like it's like some of the most volatile scoring I've ever seen. Number 24 is Alshon Jeffrey. I have him at 36. Scott, you have him at 20, and Tom, you have him at 12. So, so I think I'm going to take a step back on this one, and I'm going <laughs> to listen to why Tom thinks he can be 12, and I'm going to listen to why you think he'll be 36. Don, let's start with Tom. Okay, I'm baking in a little bit of uh, assumed health here. And I'm sure that Don is baking in a little assumed injury here. And that's probably the great divide. But if he plays 16 games, I have a very, very, very hard time not seeing him wind up as a wide receiver one. Almost every time he plays, he scores a touchdown in recent memory and in recent you know, statistical memory. When Jay Cutler was throwing him the ball – he would go up and get it versus anybody. Who's Carson Wentz going to lean on as a young quarterback? The big guy. And I've said that about Simeon Lynch, said that about Dak with Dez. So it's really just leaning into my exact strategy where I think the big guy is worth a lot. And if I if he can stay healthy, I don't see how that big guy doesn't wind up as a one. I just think you cannot assume that Alshon Jeffrey is going to play 16 games. At this point, I don't even know if you can pencil him in for 10. It's it's become that bad. He's changing teams. He's in a he's with a young quarterback. He's on a one year prove it deal. So yes, there should be some motivation there. But you've got Carson Wentz who immediately had a had an had a good working relationship with Jordan Matthews. He developed an even better one with Zach Ertz throughout the year. They've got Legarrette Blunt. They're gonna be running the ball a lot when they get into the red zone. So that kind of takes away some of the looks he'll get as quote the big guy. And if, quote, the big guy is taking up too much room on the bench, <laughs> we're just not going to be able to depend on Alshon Jeffrey. 
And maybe it's just a personal bias, but like, I'm not drafting Alshon Jeffrey. I don't care when I can get him. I don't care what round it is. I'm not taking him. He's not worth the headache to me. To me, I, I don't think his ADP even reflects 12, but the same thing is kind of, I keep saying baked in, but baked into my decision in that too. If he falls, which he's a huge candidate to fall, I would take him. There's no doubt about it. Right, and with how much volatility we have just within our rankings, I think that he's a guy that, like you said, is going to be up and down all over. You know, some some drafts may he may have him going in the fourth, some may have him going in the seventh or eighth, and it'll just be interesting. He's a kind of receiver that it's going to be interesting to see where he falls. We'll get into it in the draft strategy episode that we're going to do, but. What I like to do with these volatile guys is if I have one, then the rest of my picks are more, you know, the safer guys. And if I have a bunch of safe guys, I like to get risky. So if I got Mm -hmm. risky early with Alshon, then, you know, I'll change the course. Moving on now to number 25. And Scott, since you took a backseat, it's lucky enough that our number 25, Eric Decker, is a guy that you've loved for quite some time now. So tell us why Eric Decker, now that he's signed with the Titans, is a great fantasy option. Quite simply, he's been a WR2 his entire career. And yes, that was when Tim Tebow was quarterbacking the Broncos, and they threw the ball 15 times a game. <laughs> Five <laughs> let that sink in for a second. He was effective with 15 total pass attempts from a team. So does And he goes onto an offense with a perfect complement around him, in my opinion. A lot of guys who do certain things very well, but they don't have maybe exactly that sure-handed go-to Michael Crabtree, like we alluded to, type of receiver who's going to get you that big route and make you that big play. And Decker has delivered on that too much in his career for me to not think that he's going to be really effective. I can't argue with that. And well said. The same way we talked about Marcus Mariota in the quarterbacks episode, you know, he's not turning the ball over in the red zone. And Eric Decker's red zone efficiency is to be reckoned with. Number twenty seven, or sorry, number twenty six. Speaking of the Denver Broncos, this is a guy who was actually very hurt by the quarterbacking woes of the Broncos last year. It's Emmanuel Sanders. Now I think we all agree that when he's got the quarterback play, like when he had Peyton Manning. He can definitely produce. He, he performed well with Ben Roethlisberger when he was a Steeler as well. But I think more so than Demarius Thomas, Sanders needs that solid quarterback play to be successful, and that's why we have him so much lower than Demarius. He's still a good option if you're interested in a Denver receiver, but he's a little bit more volatile. His, his scores are a little up and down. He'll have games where he absolutely goes off, and you'll be happy to have him. But I think he does disappear sometimes a little bit more so than Demarius Thomas. You know, he's just a guy that, especially when I when I when I think about him, he's a guy that I've always undervalued, especially when he's been on Denver. He's just the kind of guy that I would really like to see where if he was the number one, what kind of numbers he would put up. Like, put him on maybe a team that needs a receiver like Kansas City or even like Carolina. And like, what is Emmanuel He'd Sanders? Be great on Carolina. I I think he would be. A, like a really, really top flight receiver that would really climb up these ranks if he was a like a go-to number one. But unfortunately for him, he's not a go-to number one, and he has very shoddy quarterback play, which for me, I couldn't rank him that high, but I think he's a great talent. He still finishes a two last year, and uh, he gets enough targets to get the job done, in my opinion. 
Alrighty, number 27. I was so excited about this guy, I almost skipped Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> what an explosive rookie year Tyreek Hill had for the Chiefs. And now they lose Macklin. And it seems like he's got the keys. I don't think he has the makeup to be a number one NFL wide receiver. But if there's anything that we've seen from the stretch of games at the end of the year from the Chiefs is they know they need to get this guy the ball. So if you have a receiver who you know the team is trying to manufacture touches for, you've got to take at least a look at him. ADP, I think, is going to really define whether or not I end up with Tyreek Hill. But if it's at a good price and I feel like I can get him and I'm secure at my wide receiver position and I can take a shot with him as my two or my three, I'm I'm lining up. So for me, what and I like where we have him ranked because he's in the flex range. He is a flex football player. He's going to get receptions and he's going to get carries. He's going to play a little running back and a little receiver. And if you think that if you have any inclination that you think he can get 100 total yards between receiving and rushing per game, then you need to be picking him because he will be very good. I don't think personally that he's going to be able to obviously average 100 yards per game. That If I did, I would have had him rated much higher. But I do think that he will be effective. I just think that the the core of that, of that passing offense is, is someone that we're going to touch on in the tight end rankings. I think he needs to have rushing attempts every game. I think he needs to have targets every game. And I think he needs to be targeted in the screen game every game. Like, each of those about five times. And I think if that happens, he's even... That's ten targets and five carries. Exactly. And I think if that happens, he's even viable in PPR formats, which he really was not last year. But if they start to get him involved in the screen game, which the Chiefs throw more screens than almost any team in the NFL, mm-hmm. Alex Smith, game manager, a lot of them go to Travis Kelsey, but, you know, who else is there now? Exactly. Speaking of who else is there, there really wasn't anybody else to compete with our number 28 receiver, Mike Wallace, until Jeremy Macklin came in. But for me, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but for me, I think Macklin's just going to slide into that Steve Smith role, which means that Mike Wallace is going to be the more explosive, the more targeted option in Baltimore's uh, passing game. And we talked about this a little bit with Danny Woodhead when we did the running back special. This is a team that's losing over 200 targets from last year's most attempted passing offense. And the player with the most rapport with the current quarterback is Mike Wallace. Exactly. Which is only one year, so that's it's not like we're saying like, oh, they're you know, they bunked together in college or anything right. like that. But, you know, there is something to be said about that because Flacco's gonna have a ton of new pieces and, you know, I think he's gonna be working extra hard with the guy who he knows has been there before and knows what Flacco wants to do and and let's not act like Mike Wallace wasn't a viable wide receiver two option in fantasy last year. Absolutely. It was something that I really had trouble understanding, but it really was. And there's a stat. Mike Wallace is an eight-year NFL veteran. He's been a top 30 receiver seven of those eight years. That's that's consistent enough for me to get a very good look, especially at his current ADP, average draft position. We've said that so many times. I, do I don't like think we've ever odds. said what it means. Oh, ADP? Yeah. Yes, average draft position. Sorry, folks. Don, you got him at 18. Yeah, I do. Wide receiver, too. Does Macklin yeah. uh, affect that at all? A little. I would probably. I think I slid him back into the twenty. I would have slid him back into the twenties, um, but 
Like low 20s? Yeah, but I, I still have him in that wide receiver two range. Right. He's still a guy that I'm targeting for my wide receiver core, for sure. Number 29? Number 29. All right. Sammy Watkins, attendee of the Alshon Jeffrey, you better hope I stay healthy class. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I want to believe. I've never owned Sammy Watkins, so I will admit that I'm very biased. But um, he's just not a guy I believe in. And especially with Buffaloes, they're a run-first team. Um, I, I still don't know if he and Tyrod have that kind of rapport that you'd want out of a top-tier wide receiver, which people seem to still believe Watkins is. So, I don't know. I, I'm out on him. I know, Tom, you're very high on him. Scott, you're you're much higher than me on him. But he's just not a guy that I believe in this you know, year. The reason why I'm probably a little higher than you is because when he does play, he is pretty effective. The only thing that I don't like is it, they don't really throw the ball enough for my liking, and they don't throw for a lot of yards, and they and they haven't historically with Tyrod. So he is so reliant upon hitting that big play, that, and that combined with his health, it's just too risky for me. He's just too risky a guy where it's like, even if he's healthy, he needs to catch a 40-yard touchdown or he's probably not going to score. Yeah. I'm of the camp that I think he is likely to catch a 40-yard touchdown almost any time he plays. I think he's a an absolute weapon. And I found a great comparison. Um, I'll tell you his numbers and you tell me who he comes out to very closely. I'm pretty sure I've sent this to you guys. Maybe not Don, so we'll see how it works on Don. All right, out of 37 games played, he had 276 targets, 153 receptions, 16 yards per catch, 16.1, uh, 2,459 total yards, and 17 touchdowns. This is a comparison to the mystery man who played 34 games, 282 targets, 174 receptions, 15.7 yards per catch, 2,737 total yards, and 20 touchdowns. And if you can't remember all that stuff, they were eerily similar. And, and just for clarification, that's what in their in their first three seasons? In first three seasons, yeah. Okay. So the second guy, T.O.? The second guy is Julio Jones. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, I'm not drafting him. <laughs> it is very. I'm not it, doing it's it. very interesting, and I think that me another and Don guy are who's both had foot the, troubles. You know, just saying. I think me and Don are both of the you got to show me it kind of mentality with Sammy. Show Hawkins. me, and then I'll trade for you. Mm-hmm. Well, Sammy is actually like at camp now. Like that's not his usual. Right, he's normally like nursing a hamstring or yeah. Whatever. So I, I actually think there will be one or more leagues where I do. Take the risk with him. All right. Well, uh, coming in then at number 30, another a guy with a new team, Pierre Garçon, gets reunited with Kyle Shanahan, where he had his career year in Washington. Um, you know, I, I think as long as those stats hold up, I think Pierre Garçon's going to be a wide receiver three option and possibly could give us wide receiver two value if – he can build a quick rapport with Hoyer or whoever ends up coming in when Hoyer gets hurt. We've spoke a lot about guys who um, run good routes and have really good hands. And I think Pierre Garçon fits that mold. And if you watched Atlanta play at all last year, you recognized how wide open Kyle Shanahan 
was able to get receivers. And I think that you combine that stuff together. I actually like Pierre Garçon a little higher than 30. And I, I don't know. I really think that he has a lot of room to rise. I agree. I really don't have much else to say. Like we said in the other episode, he led the the league in receptions not so long ago. So yeah. it's not crazy to think that someone can return to the exact form they were. Another same name in a new place. We've got Brandon Marshall going to the Giants as our number 31 wide receiver. And this is a great spot for him, in my opinion, because we've got him in that high-end wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver three range, where he could be either a flex starter or a bi-week fill-in. And that's a great position for him because I think he can definitely outperform that because this is a guy who all he knows how to do is catch 85 passes for over 1,000 yards and seven or more touchdowns. And if you can get that as your third or fourth best wide receiver, you take that every single time. If you're doing this expecting, you know, some of his great Broncos years, some of his great um, Bears years, or his one great Jets year, you're not going to get that. But you definitely can get 75 catches, 1,050 yards, and seven touchdowns. And that is the perfect output of a wide receiver three. Yeah, I think he'll actually, for me, I think he'll be under 1,000, but I think he'll be over the seven touchdowns because the Giants just are lacking that very good uh, big guy. Yeah. yeah. What the Giants <laughs> learned the hard way last year is that they cannot throw the ball to Odell Beckham every single play, yeah. unfortunately. And one of the things that um, I really like, and, and a lot of people probably think, you know, maybe with the Giants and their quick passing scheme, it might not work that well for Marshall, who's been, you know, kind of a deeper threat at some points in his career. But Marshall is very good going over his back shoulder. I envision a lot of, you know, Giants on the eight-yard line, quick snap in the shotgun to Eli, and he throws a quick back shoulder to Marshall, and it's, it's a quick touch. Catch, toe tap, touchdown. Like, I expect that to happen pretty regularly this year. I'm kind of in agreement with Tom where maybe he doesn't, um, you know, maybe he doesn't get a 1,000 receiving yards, but he very well could catch 10 touchdowns. Number 32 now, we've got Kelvin Benjamin. Tough year for him last year, but he's still a big-bodied guy. He's still got some pretty sure hands. Cam loved him his rookie year. You just hope that the guy can figure it out. Because he did miss the year with an ACL. Last year was really his second year as a pro. And we didn't really see much to be excited about. But if you look back at his rookie year, he performed very, very well. So I'm hoping that we get more of the rookie year, Calvin Benjamin, than we got the pseudo-sophomore year, Calvin Benjamin. The rookie year, the only problem I have with it was, if you remember, if you can think back, it was just full of garbage time. It was a lot of garbage time. And then he comes into camp way overweight. Um, not going to try to fat shame Kelvin Benjamin on the podcast. <laughs> but it's a it's a disservice to the Panthers. I mean, they need some help in the wide receiver core. They lost Ted Ginn, and a lot of Cam's production came from him. Cam had a really bad year passing the ball by any and all metrics. So I just don't think Kelvin Benjamin showing up out of shape, all this stuff bodes well. Uh, the only silver lining is that he's just huge and you can't teach size and a red zone target. But other than that, I don't see it. You know, I think a lot of the problem with Benjamin, like obviously it had to do with him, but 
I don't think that the Panthers' offense was very complete last year. It wasn't very well-rounded. It was Greg Olson down the field, hopefully the entire drive, and then maybe Benjamin in the end zone. I think adding McCaffrey and adding the kid from Ohio State to come in and play like a like a speed receiver kind of gives Benjamin a little bit more of an advantage, a little bit better of a chance to succeed. But you know. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough for me to to justify picking him without really seeing it because it was two weeks the first two weeks last season and garbage time like Tom said the year before. Number thirty three, we've got Jamison Crowder. He seems like, aside from Jordan Reed, he seems like the only guy that's left from that vaunted passing attack. Yeah, it's because he is. Um, he was great last year. And there was times when Deshaun Jackson missed time. There was times when Pierre Garçon wasn't playing up to his potential. And no matter what, the steadiest passing option for the for Washington last year was Jamison Crowder. That's right. And I think we have him severely underrated now. We have him at 33. I have him on my personal list at 33. And I just I couldn't justify putting him into that wide receiver two or three range. But that's really what I think he can be this year. I think when you get when you're drafting him, you're drafting an every week flex. And the reason I think that, and I think the reason one of the reasons why we may have him a little lower is because he didn't get as much of a target share as you would have liked to see a guy that you draft and start every week last year, but he made the most out of the targets that he got. Jay Gruden has already come out and said he wants Crowder to be more involved this year, and I think that he will be, and I think that, you know, he could easily see a doubling in the amount of targets that he got last year with the removal of Garcon and Deshaun Jackson. And if that's the case, you know, this guy could really have an amazing season. I think he picks up a lot of the targets that went missing. And I think that's worth a lot. And I really think that's my complete opinion on him. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's been good in the offense. He knows the system. And the targets are missing and he's still there. So it's just like, it feels like a leveled out equation. Yeah. Number 34, Jeremy Macklin. He's going to the Ravens now. A very surprise release. I think we would have even had him higher if we stayed on the Chiefs. Um, There's certainly no doubt that he has the ability to be a a great receiver in the NFL. With a new team, with a shortened-ish offseason, I'm not sure that he can get into that wide receiver two role, but he could definitely turn himself into a wide receiver three before the end of this year with a lot of upside going forward because it seems like he had his choice of where he wanted to go between Buffalo, uh, Baltimore, obviously, and Philadelphia. And he chose Baltimore, I think, because he was going to have the bigger opportunity there. I think he may have looked at um, the pass attempts over the last few years (laughs) (laughs) and was like, oh, wow, the Ravens. You know what? They throw a lot. I think I'm going to go there. And I think that's why, you know, I was willing to have him as high as 34 because there is just so much pass volume in the Ravens offense and Jeremy Macklin is a solid receiver. So I expect solid numbers. He was playing last year hurt. They came out with Mm -hmm. uh, his, his groin. So that's probably why he disappointed me and so many other people who believed in him and drafted him. But, uh, (laughs) I think he'll be fine this year. I think he's a talented receiver. Like Scott says, And, you know, he's going to soak up those targets that went missing, too. Number 35, it doesn't really matter what team Deshaun Jackson plays for anymore. I think he's still going to get his 65 catches for 1,100 yards and his eight touchdowns. And I don't think anybody can stop him from doing that anymore. I pretty much agree. I mean, I think he's always a cool guy to have in standard. 
he's always fun to plug and play if someone else on your team has a bad matchup and you hit that Deshaun Jackson home run, it feels real good. And, always. And just one thing I want to add, because I agree so fully with Don, I just, I literally think he's going to have, like, the same exact season he's had with, like, you know, where, everywhere he's been. One of my favorite things about him is, like, he burns the defense so bad that the last, like, sometimes 20 yards are him just, like, jogging around and, like, starting his celebration into the end zone. Dropping the ball before and, he gets in. And, like, so a quick, like, hypothetical. Like, imagine if you if you own him and it's, like, a Monday night and it's late in the game and you see him start to run and score and, like, his celebration is, like, in tune with yours winning in fantasy. You know, it's just, like, a cool vision I've always had of him. Well, all the more reason draft to draft and him. you shall receive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to number 36, Stefan Diggs looked like he was going to be a really solid option two years ago. He was an interesting option this year. Had some great moments, maybe disappointed a little bit. We There was a lot of dinking and dunking going on with, uh, with short throw Sam. Uh, but Teddy Two Gloves might be coming back. The Vikings QBs have great nicknames. Um, <laughs> That I just made up myself. <laughs> but So I guess what I'm saying is I, I'm really good at coming up with nicknames for the Vikings quarterbacks. Anyway, I think Stephon Diggs, no matter who ends up playing quarterback, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Bradford, I think Stephon Diggs is going to be a featured member of the pass game, and that's why he's our highest-rated Minnesota receiver. I think that it's just I, – I believe I fully believe Sam Bradford's going to go into the season as a starting quarterback and will be the starting quarterback. And it's just not – it's not a match. They're not a, they're not a match. Um, you know, Bradford's a match with, with guys who run shorter routes, whereas Diggs is kind of more of a blow-the-top-off receiver. And for me, I, I probably won't take Diggs. I had him rated a lot lower than uh, our consensus did. And, you know, it's just it, – he's just not a match with Bradford in my eyes. I don't see him uh, being in my lineup week in, week out. I know right. we're not in that area right now, but I – People talk about him that way. Uh, I don't see it. Hmm. Number thirty-seven, Willie Sneed. Now the we need talked for Sneed. We've got the need for Sneed. Need for <laughs> IV, like on the back of his jersey. Right. Guys. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Because he's Willie Sneed the fourth. Um, so we talked about it when we talked about Michael Thomas. Drew Brees can feed a family of fourteen <laughs> with how well he throws the football. Um, you know, if, if he was playing with, you know, the 18 kids and counting family, I think he would get them all <laughs> fantasy wide receiver three status. Um, so I, I think he's I think Willie Sneed as they're locked in wide receiver number two. I think he gets a big bump in his numbers last year, which flirted with wide receiver two numbers at times. So I'm in on Willie Sneed. Yeah. And he was essentially a three last year with the onset of Michael Thomas. And in 2015, he finished only like 50 yards shy of that 1,000-yard mark. So if you believe that he has any rate of improvement since then or any better of a rapport with Drew Brees, which I believe both to be true, that he's easily going to get over 1,000 yards this year. I, I think, think you that, can lock um, him in for it. I think that that was actually Snead's first season with the Saints, too. Yes. I, I might be wrong. I think but, it was, too. So in his first year, he gets almost 1,000 yards as a number two. Then Michael Thomas emerges, and they have Brandon Cook, so he kind of takes a back seat. I think now in the third year of continuity with Drew Brees, he takes a step forward back from year one exactly. and you know maybe leaps over that 1,000-yard mark, gets those touchdowns. I'm actually very high on Willie Sneed, and he's a guy that I will absolutely be targeting in pretty much all my drafts. Me as well. Number 38, 
Dante Moncrief. Another guy. Another guy who could definitely give you wide receiver two value. Number one, if he can stay healthy. Number two, if he can, you know, maintain his pace. Um, he, He doesn't go, he doesn't get a lot of yardage, but he has Andrew Luck's eye in the red zone, and there's no substitute for touchdowns in fantasy football. Another, um, if you're a contract year believer, he's another contract year guy. And, you know, I think this is just the year that he puts it all together and becomes that that target they need in the red zone. I think another guy that we'll touch on the tight end, tight end rankings um, will also cut into that and help in the red zone with the Colts. But I really like Moncrief this year, and I'm happy that he's coming into the year seemingly fully healthy i think we're gonna see the best of him this year tom i think i agree i mean i think just one name to keep in mind as far as him i wouldn't think it's like it's not a handcuff as far as running backs would be concerned but they did go out and get kamar aiken and they've always been missing like a big guy i've always been a bit of a kamar aiken truther too but with his injury history and all that you could slide him in. I don't even think you need to roster him. Maybe like a FanDuel guy or whatever, but just keep your tabs on Kamar. He, the Colts passing offense in general is going to be very interesting this year. Uh, how about number 39, Tyrell Williams? I think he would have been... I might have even put him in the 20s if the Chargers didn't draft Mike Williams out of Clemson. That's how big I was. He had a great end of the year last year. But now with Mike Williams, with Keenan Allen coming back, Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates, you've still got Dontrell Inman. You've also got Travis Benjamin, who we haven't even mentioned. You know, maybe one of those guys gets cut. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be Gates. And it's not going to be Tyrell Williams. And it won't be Tyrell Williams either. So I think he definitely has a role. The only problem is now that they've got so many mouths to feed, I'm just not sure what his role will be. And one of the interesting things that – you said is how he came on strong at the end of the season last year. He actually played a lot of the season with a separated shoulder. So, um, That's true. you know, coming into this season fully healthy, I actually expect him to definitely lock in the WR2 role in that offense, which obviously, as we know with Keenan Allen, could easily filter right into wide receiver one. And he's very good as a deep threat, and he's, and he's a big body receiver, so he can get it done in the red zone. I like everything about Tyrell Williams. I've always been a big fan of the Chargers offense, especially in fantasy, and Tyrell Williams is one of those guys. I will be drafting him. He's going so, 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 so late, and who knows if Keenan Allen will stay healthy. I know I've been kind of baking in the health to some of my ratings, but Tyrell Williams is going so late and performed so well. In half-point PPR, he actually finished as the 16th best wide receiver. He had very few games under 10 points. I mean, he was always involved. So for me, the upside of grabbing him late, even just to bench for a little bit, see if something happens, something clicks, totally worth it. Absolutely. Number 40 is Rashard Matthews. And I got to tell you guys something. Rashard Matthews. You uh, feeling something? I can feel it. I can feel it down in my plums. That's right. Rashard (laughs) Matthews is my plum pick for wide receiver this year. I think that... You know, he was one of those guys. I was just thinking about it now. The Titans offense is really the offensive misfit toys. You know, they they got Matthews, who was an outcast in the Dolphins passing game. They got DeMarco Murray. Now they've got Decker. They drafted a small school guy in Corey Davis. They had Delaney Walker, who got ousted by Vernon Davis in San Francisco. You know, they've got all these pieces, but somehow they all fit together. And 
Rashard Matthews was so good last year. And just because they drafted Corey Davis, just because they, they got Eric Decker, like we said, with you know, sometimes you gotta just go with the guy who you know. And Mariota's worked with Matthews before. He's gonna be their guy, I think, that works down the middle of the field. And Rashard Matthews is my plum pick because I think he's going to be the highest scoring pass catcher in the Titans offense this year. It's interesting because if we did this last year, he might have been my plum pick last year. I was very big on him last year. Dra- he was my fifteenth round pick in like almost all my leagues last year. And uh so I agree with you, Don. He's just a very good receiver. And what he does for the offense, he does very well. So I agree with you. I think that he can he can really be a lot higher than, than where we have him. All right. So we talked about our plum picks. These are picks that we don't even really have any statistical backing. It's just a guy that we really believe in. All right. So, Tom, let's hear who yours is. I'm debating changing it on the fly. No. Uh-oh. No? Not All allowed. Right. <laughs> All right. I was going to change it to Adam Thielen, and then I was going to give you a bunch of statistics because we didn't get to them. But I'll save that for another time because I'm really feeling it down in my plums for a man named Zay Jones. Who? Zay Jones. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> get it? Um, he – his wide receiver coach at the Buffalo Bills is the same wide receiver coach that he had in college – Sammy Watkins, you guys are saying he's going to get hurt, blah, blah, blah. That means he's the only one left. Robert Woods is gone. Even Marquise Goodwin is gone. No one is left. And they were shopping Jeremy Macklin. They want to add people, but they haven't been able to. So who fills the role? Zay Jones. I think he could be a contributor from week one. And I think his ceiling, if Sammy Watkins is the Sammy Watkins of old, as in on the bench and hurt right. is extremely high. Yeah. And and I can feel it. He's pretty, he's pretty big bodied too. Yeah. Like he's not like a, he kind of is like similar in size to Sammy Watkins. He's that prototypical wider. Scotty monster. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. All right, Scotty, let's hear yours. So mine goes to what will probably be the very worst team in the NFL. I regretfully report as a Jets fan. Um, take it through a scenario i just i just don't believe josh mccown is going to be the starting quarterback of the jets and uh you know it just doesn't really make sense for them to start josh mccown when they're in such a clear rebuilding mode you might as well give a young quarterback like christian hackenberg a shot but wait christian hackenberg is pegging reporters at practice he is so inaccurate (laughs) so i think the jets may be even a little scared that he can't even get them through an nfl game who does that leave? It leaves Bryce Petty, who's young, and hopefully they can still mold. So now Bryce Petty's the starting quarterback of the Jets. And if anyone had to watch that misery unfold last year like I did, there was one shining light. And that shining light was not Quincy Inunua. It wasn't any other receiver other than Robbie Anderson. It was literally no one else. He literally just peppered him the entire game. So in my opinion, I believe Bryce Petty is going to go into the season as a starter for the Jets. And that makes Robbie Anderson very draftable. And even, I think, maybe towards the end of the season, very startable because this is going to be a team that plays in a lot of Blake Bortles-type blowout minutes. And that all that means is a lot of passes. And if Petty's only looking at Robbie Anderson, it doesn't matter how you're getting the points. It just matters that you're getting the points. And Robbie Anderson can give them to you. 
I'd much rather play him versus any team mounting a comeback than a middle of the road receiver versus a very good cornerback. Right. Every time. Yeah. Doesn't matter how you get the points. All that matters is, you is that you run up, up the, the score. At a boy, Tom. Thank you guys so much for listening to our wide receiver rankings and plum picks. We will be back with more rankings. We've got quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends. Uh, but before that, we need to ask you a bit of a favor. We would really appreciate it if you guys rated and subscribed to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating and review and ask us a question, we will get to all of your questions before the end of the summer. No question is too weird or too dumb. We will answer anything, whether it's keeper choices, team names. Um, if you get your choice of pick in the draft, we'll tell you what pick you should get and who you should take. Whatever you think... Um, you need answered by us. We will answer it for you. Just make sure you go on iTunes, subscribe, rate us five stars, and leave your question in a review, and we'll get to every single one of them. The show is also available at any time on Twitter at RutzFF, R-U-T-S-F-F, and we've all got personal Twitter accounts. Mine is Why So Serious, Tom. At HillierFF. Scott. At WagsFF. And you can connect with us there for memes for uh news updates uh the main account once again is at ruts ff and uh we'll be able to answer whatever you need for it and uh yeah i think that's i think that's it any any other receiver notes tom uh, i just want to say that you invited um weird and dumb questions and if we do receive them we will answer them but don't ex- stick to stick to sports well no we will uh I mean, we don't want to give life advice, but we will give fantasy football <laughs> advice. But if it is weird and dumb, expect, you know. A weird and dumb a, answer. Yeah. Play stupid <laughs> games, win stupid prizes. And, you know, maybe maybe you're a Browns fan and you want to ask us how, how you feel about, like, a, a receiver or something like that. But you're like, I don't know, like – they probably don't care about this guy. We just brought up Robbie Anderson and Zay Jones. So, yeah, and so we're covering the gambit here. There's there's no question that we'll leave unturned. Absolutely. Kenny Stills is going to be all right. <laughs> so make sure you go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, subscribe, leave your question in the reviews, and uh, we'll get to them. We promise. Thank you guys so much for listening to the wide receiver rankings. We'll be back soon. But until then, keep scoring. Maybe we were born to win.